uh, what is up? Tuna, Elishar, and Grimbro, and we're here uh, joined together for episode 4 of the Blastcast. So this one's going to be more of sort of a recap of what we went through last week with Chris Wilson, and we're going to be, you know, Elishar is going to be joining us within the conversation since he wasn't able to join us for the podcast itself. Uh, yeah, we just wanted to talk about some of the topics, maybe go in depth into some of the things, um, more relaxed approach to, you know, basically discussing the, the things. We don't have uh, Chris Wilson here, sort of uh, intimidating us, I guess, with his very, very strong presence. Yeah. What's up, Grim? What's up, Ellie? How are you? Yo, what up? Yo, I'm good. I think um, I think the Chris Wilson podcast definitely set quite a lot of things straight uh, moving forward, uh, especially for the future of the game, right? There was a lot of discussion about 3.16 and 3.17. Yeah. And <clears throat> so much so that it's kind of like solidified a lot of things that just are happening um like for example i don't know he just kept talking about the defensive rework so like 3.16 is getting the defensive rework so that's like massive right yeah um how big do you think um defensive rework is gonna make a difference uh when the monsters themselves are kind of crazy well I don't know. It's going to be difficult to say. Like, what does a defensive rework even mean, right? And in the context of like a league scenario, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty dramatic. So does that does that mean like they're going to bring really overpowered defenses in line and buff up underused ones, or what? Could it be an armor rework? I mean, it could literally be anything. By in line, do you mean like nerf them, or? Yeah. So I mean, if you if you think back to like the bow league, for example. Um, they brought a lot of the really bad bow skills up, and they brought a lot of the really overperforming bow skills down. So I imagine it's probably going to be something like that. So they'll probably bring Fortify down. They'll probably bring maybe Wind Dancer down, and then they'll bring other undesirable kind of like defensive types up. That sounds good, but yeah, I mean that sounds good. But I'd be scared of them bringing stuff down because, like, what what they did to uh, like uh, Glancing Blows is like already pretty like. Right? Like, nobody yeah, even sucks. takes glancing blows anymore. Yeah, I agree. So, um, I think I think overall, the the takeaway should be that most characters feel a lot more tankier and have more access to defense. That That's what I would hope would be the takeaway. Um, you should be able to build a much more rounded character without having to go all over the tree and stuff like that. What do you reckon, Osha? Yeah. Uh, I think that right now, the problem that we have is that we can't really get defenses early. We can get them late game. There's a lot of good, really, really good uh, timeless duels. For example, the one that makes uh, your uh, elemental damage convert into chaos. And then with small clusters, you can like get 90% max res. And then you can mitigate so much of that damage. Or like you can get really good corruption and mitigate through corruption or like implicits on shield or like uh, other phase damage taken as uh, any element on helmet and stuff like there's so many ways to mitigate later on if you want to get them and you want if you want to invest into it into them but early on if you're like just starting to maps there's like nothing you, you have like a flask like an armor flask or like it's really really hard to get like early defenses i feel like how much did they, they nerf need to bring up by? definitely yeah well, you bring up that point how much did they actually nerf granite by sorry for interrupting but I I'm do completely sure. agree with you there, actually. And it's also, don't you feel it's also because uh, by half, yeah, holy. Um, don't you also feel like, um, like, it's it's also because you need to squeeze out more damage early, Ellie, early league. 
Yeah, we definitely need more damage. Uh, on my build, if you don't have like a, a skill that has really, really high base damage, like for example, uh, Spectra Shield Throw or any of the meta skills like Forbidden Right, that scales off of life as well and has high base, uh, it's really hard to get damage early. I was playing Lightning Trap and I was kind of struggling in red tier maps. But once you have really good gear, the nerf does like the nerfs to damage is still you just one shot everything anyway. When you once you have really good gear, but like when you're starting out, the uh, progression is way slower. I feel like unless you're playing like a really really good skill. But to to give yeah, some context as well, like the way we play is a little bit. Um, let's say it's it's not really like how many people play, right? We like to re rush and uh, red tier maps and things, so we'll find ourselves there within the first maybe. 12 hours, right? In red tiers. Yeah. So uh, in regards to us maybe like struggling to find the damage, it's only because of like how accelerated our progress is in that regard. So maybe this wouldn't really apply to everyone, but um, what Eddie's trying to say here is that like, if you are pushing so far and so fast into the Atlas, then yeah, you're going to be squeezed for damage in that regard, but essentially not everyone's going to find this issue. Yeah, if you stop and actually gear correctly and uh, wait for the market to be a little bit more alive and you can just buy items from the market, you can get damage easily. But if you're starting on like semi-SSF, you just have a tabula and like random floor rares, you're going to struggle in progression on most builds, I feel like. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I'd like to see maybe more accessibility to physical damage mitigation and chaos uh, resistance as like my main two highlighted points. From the defensive rework but other than that i think you know it's probably fine they did make the the chaos bases better this league like the chaos rings are amazing yeah yeah they're actually they give like but that is damage not defenses right that's chaos damage and also they're pretty rare the iolite rings the, oh wait uh, they buff the rings uh, right they buff the the implicit on the resist as well true 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 and the boots yeah and they go buff the fugitive boots yeah. yeah but the boots are really rare you're not gonna get them early right the boots are like True, two tones. Yeah. So. They're kind of rare. You need to actually farm in a specific zone in the Atlas to get them. But physically, yeah. I, I personally, if I'm playing on the right or top side of the tree, I have no way of actually mitigating fizz aside of uh, outside of like dodge, right? Yeah, and like dodge is like such a weird defense. You basically, um, if you have like thirty percent dodge, you like get hit like all the time. But if you have like seventy five and evasion, you're like invincible. So it's probably it's not like it's it's not like a, a smooth like oh I'm tank you're like upper curve. It's like yeah. exponential. So you it's can't not just great. dip your toes into it either. It's like either you go all in on dodge or you not worth right. It makes you feel like you have to go raider as well, which is not great. But you got small clusters cool. that can actually really facilitate you being in different ascendancy. But we just don't Another choose dodge. to use them because damage. Yeah, yeah dodge clusters. Another mm. thing about defenses that not many people are talking about is that they removed so many ailment immunities from so many ascendancies. Like, for example, Pathfinder, before I had complete immunity, now it's like only on use of a flask. I would have liked more if they kept like 50% like Raider. Now Raider is such in season, such a good spot. Because not only you get a, a lot of evasion and dodge, you also get like 50 element immunity, and it gets you so close to get 200% capped that it's like the choice for most builds because mm -hmm. it just has so much quality of life that other builds don't have. I'm not really too concerned about ailment immunities. They've already talked about putting it on the pantheons as well as some auras. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, for me at least, when I, I'm like playing Dead Eye right now, I don't really have full ailment immunity, like, you know, the whole 
um, avoid. So, like, the only one that really matters to me is Freeze. You can pretty much, like, play through yeah, yeah. Ignite and Shock and stuff like that. You know, you're going to get one shot every now and then. It's not ideal, but, you know, Freeze is the main one. That's for us. Yeah, you can definitely get in a flask easily. Yeah, if you play softcore, if you play hardcore, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> you sure, kind of need the element immunity, or eventually you're going to die once, and you're like, okay, I just remake the character now. Oh, yeah, this is blast cast, no hardcore cast. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> we can still laugh at them, though. That's true. That's true, yeah. I'm looking forward to the, the defensive rework. Hopefully we see some uh, more flexibility in the way that you can uh, not get one shot as much. That'd be good. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that's changing in 3.16 is actually the Atlas. So this is a pretty big change, a pretty massive topic. So we're going from eight, eight regions to four, uh, 164 maps to 100, uh, 32 watchstones to 16, and we got God knows what's happening to the Atlas passes. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'm concerned about in regards to maps being restricted is um, who decides what fun we're getting this league right it's gonna feel like i mean I, I just don't want it to feel like um you know when when we're like we're waiting for the zana mods and we're like is beyond on there and then it's not on there and we're like well another non-beyond league dog cleave you know and i feel like i hope we don't get that with the atlas where it's just like um all the good t16s are just good <laughs> and yeah. yeah i think that having uh then zone condensed into four might bring some crazy strategy where like you can get like for example uh beyond and uh delirium maybe together or like some really good mechanics together that might be kind of fun but also it will uh, like if they don't change the favorite system you can only favorite three maps in one zone right so you're gonna have like one zone where you're on t14 one zone t15 one zone on t16 right in mm. the new and mm. then one zone where you can't relief. I mean, you can favorite, but and we don't know yet. Yeah, we don't really know um, how they're gonna implement it. But if they leave it like it is now, it's gonna kind of be it's gonna be kind of weird because you it's only have like good. three different. Like right now, you can have like up to eight different strategies in your atlas. You can do like blight, Lirathane. You can have uh, a war camlet. You can do like syndicate or blight or um, harvest, or you can do you can do a lot of things. I don't know, you, you would have to like respec over and over if you want to change strategies the next league. Yep. Instead, so, now you can just play another map and you already have this Watson setup and everything. This it's is really a topic I covered, I covered in my most recent video, but just on the map, the same thing. So you are right um, to kind of break it down a little bit further. So obviously we're going from a massive reduction in maps. Um, so the first question is, do you think that they're going to keep all of the unique maps in the map pool? Because they're going to rotate stuff like, you know, um the like the maps that are associated with those uniques out so is there going to be a world in which you know courtyard's not in the pool so you can't get vinkta square um what do you guys think of that first of all i don't think so because that is a vendor recipe right you can actually yeah. make it with a vendor recipe but will it be on the atlas as a, like a bonus completion kind of thing right i don't mm. think that matters that much but the only thing that really matters is that um we have access to the map for the unique yeah. It, it does matter though, because so let's say that they keep all 18 unique maps, right? And we have 100 maps on the Atlas right now. That's That doesn't mean you're getting 100 runnable layouts, right? It means that you're going to get mm -hmm. 82 runnable layouts, which is like significantly less. Um, but also for the purpose of sustaining maps, 
Um, right now, let's just assume that, you know, like the big pool of maps, you take the uniques away. Um, you have like 17.6% chance to drop a map if all tiers were the same with your with your favorite system. Like if you favorite a map, that's kind of like the chance you'd get it. Obviously, it's higher because, you know, T16s, 15s, and 14s and stuff like that. Um, but in the new Atlas, assuming that we keep all the uniques, it's actually 27.6% chance to drop any given one map that you want. Um, so no, no matter which way you slice it, it's going to be much higher chance at sustaining the exact layout you want. It is true that if you were favoriting all eight regions, like it'll actually be a little bit less. But if you are only favoriting, you know, like four or five, it's going to be much more likely that you're going to get maps that you actually want. You know, so you, we could be in a world where you could sustain one T16 of your choice. It could work out that way, potentially. That would be so good. No, but we idea. don't know if they keep the favorite system the same, right? We don't know what they're going to do. They could reduce it. I think it's funny that the favorite system is in the game only because of, like, um, pretty much community pressure, right? Because otherwise, yeah. I don't think if they, were, if they weren't pressured into it, they wouldn't have made the favorite system at all, I don't think. Yeah, and this was a topic that came up on the in the interview as well. So, from from what Chris said, uh, what they're scared of is basically just every player wanting to run one straight line. That was what he said, um, which I personally don't believe. I I don't think that's true. And you made a pretty good counterpoint, Tina. Um, I mean, I thought it, it was a little. Come... I thought it was a little condescending. Like, uh, you know, big love to Chris, but like the fact that like he thinks all we want is to be like plugged into the matrix and become vegetables i don't think that's a very good representation of softcore like yeah we want to min max but like that doesn't mean that we want to run strand all day yeah like sure uh, sure we that... want to favor good layouts <laughs> like a good one instead of cells <laughs> come on yeah I think that um, with the new Atlas, with the new lower amount of maps, I think we could potentially be in a world which, you know, we have a lot more agency over the maps we want to run. So that's like the main point, which I'm happy about. Um, but kind of talking a little bit more about what you said, Elisha, obviously you're condensing eight Atlas passive regions yep. to four. Like, some, like it, unless they remove some, there's going to be a whole lot of juice, like on one place like imagine if you get all the bestiary ones on one place so you got great migration with oh all of God. the like lucky beasts and red beast duplication it's like oh good and then you add wildstones on top of that that you get 40 percent more uh beasts or you get them more rare as well you can choose yeah it's, be insane. So it's, it's either going to be complete insanity or they're going to uh severely nerf it i don't know we'll have to see what do you reckon uh um, or maybe they just split them like evenly kind of between like all the four zones and it's gonna feel bad for most things they could also like split a little bit of beyond in every zone maybe or like a little bit of a little bit of beasts or... in every zone that would be terrible there's no way there's no way that would do that that's that makes no sense i know but if they I... condense all of them it's gonna be crazy i hope it's an alice passive tree rather than it being zone restricted because that's something i don't like too much about the current atlas and being like Oh well, I'm doing Valdo only because I like this mechanic the most. Whatever, like yeah. I want to have more freedom, so I'd I'd love for there to be like an Atlas passive tree. But yeah, it's expensive to respect, so there's opportunity costs there. Um, but it gives me freedom to run where I want. I I don't really like being restricted to. In general, I feel like player yeah. agency is really important in this regard. 
And it's also not because I want to run like, oh, I only want to run beach. Because like, oh, one thing that as well, I uh, failed to sort of like, I failed to mention when I was talking with Chris about this is that not every build likes the same layout, right? Hmm. Like, if I'm playing a, a Wanderer, I'd like to be in Toxic Sewer, or if I'm playing a Tornado Shot build, then I'd like to be, you know, in, like, I don't know, Mud Geyser or Beach. Like, it mm -hmm. really depends on the builds you like to play. It's also, like, Race Course is a fun map to run from time to time. Like, there's, there's yeah, we prefer layouts that are not every corner. There's, like, there's corners and doors and edges and stuff. But that's also because of, like, yep. Um, you know, you run cells and you're like ten more likely to die. Like than if you were to run a map mm. where <laughs> shoot ahead. It's it's just an unpleasant experience to run certain maps. So I feel like that's a little bit of an issue in design of the maps, right? I'll keep it into mm. account that like, oh Baran has just spawned in my cells map. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's a very unpleasant yeah. experience regardless of what build you're playing. It doesn't help that like most lead mechanics are, with the exception of Blight, are vastly inferior in indoor maps as well. Um, which doesn't, it's not great well, either. Like there's Breach, Blight, Legion. There's, yeah. So I would say Expedition like... was horrible. True, yeah. Well, I would say like maybe Ultimatum is fine. Um, Ritual is fine-ish. Not really, but like it's Ritual's more fine, on, yeah. It's more on the fine end. And you got Beastery is completely fine. Alva's fine. I don't know. June's there's okay. Harvest yeah, is June, fine. June is fine. Yeah. The thing about it's June is like she a... makes a zone, right? Why don't they do that for? I mean, they can't for like Legion, like literally use a. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like a boss room, basically. <laughs> yeah. um, world new. I think it's, it's fine though. I think there should be more mechanics like Blight, which favor kind of indoor maps. That would be more interesting, but you know. Yeah. I don't really want to play indoor maps anyway. More like Blight, uh, but less like Blight. Yeah. <laughs> maybe Maybe what they could do to improve um, like indoor maps and like bad layouts is that they make the league mechanics that require a lot of space spawn like spawn only in like in zones where there's more open space. For example, when you do Burial Chambers and you get the one bridge on the bridge and you get like three mobs, it feels terrible. But if you get it yeah. outside, it's way better. Like well, Chris it's actually that. like uh, giving like a, like a smart system of where mechanics should spawn. They have enough space to spawn here, so they spawn here. It would be way better, I feel like. They like that mm -hmm. though. They've said that in the past. Where like, uh, I remember when I, I I thought I don't remember which talk it was that I heard Chris say this, but he was like talking about how he liked breach in that there's that contrast between like, oh, I get a breach in this yeah. position and it sucks, but then when I find the juicy breach, I'm like, oh, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, from really a design perspective, he's right. The bad makes the, the good feel even better. It's yeah. true. Um, Without but, the contrast, you know, yeah. As a player, you just want the good, you know, and that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, that's what, that's what our job is to do, to try and min-max, so... I mean, that's how it goes. Uh, I think it's. I think it's still going to be basically. Even if it's a complete flop, um, and we don't get any more powerful, I think overall, uh, it cannot be denied that there is going to be a level of unknown and figuring out with the new atlas in three point one six. Yeah, uh, and that's that's the exciting part. You know, yeah. there's opportunity. Everyone's going to be kind of sussing it out, trying to figure out what's hot. 
you know, you might get some crazy fringe cases like when Ritual launched with the Harbingers dropping mirror shards every every twenty maps. Um, you know, there's going to be something uh, something insane to do, and it's going to be a lot of fun to figure out. So there'll be plenty of content and new stuff to do. I agree. I'm looking forward to that. That's for sure. Yeah. When there's like big changes, it's like the most fans of every league because you're like testing everything out. I remember in Ritual, we're like changing Atlas zone every time we're playing together. And uh, mm. you were you kept like changing zone. I was buying Wastons. We got scammed or for not 14 X Waston because oh. we, we didn't we weren't aware <laughs> and we were like trying all the strategies. And uh, yeah, it's way more fun than just knowing the meta going in and just doing your strategy and just do well from the start. Hmm. Actually, that's a really good point. Um, one of the things that's going to be really powerful in the new Atlas is rolling watchstones because. Uh, obviously all of the lead mechanics are condensed and there's going to be half the amount of watchstones, right? So you can roll way better ones, but like way yeah. easier. Watchstone, watchstone rollers, uh, stonks. Um, what do you actually yep. think about watchstones? Prices. <laughs> hmm? What do you actually think about watchstones? I have a pretty I mean, strong opinion about this, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. I think the craftable watchstones are an awesome like, level of customization. I'm not super duper psyched at how they're created with you know like just go get three thousand alterations <laughs> not not really happy about that but i think that the game would be significantly uh more boring without them in the end game yeah i agree what do you um, think Ellie? what do you reckon Ellie? i think that uh they should give us like you know like our normal wastons like the green ones i feel like they should just give us those and then you choose a mod and you just upgrade it over time. That would be so much like you do mavens and stuff or like invitations and they just get stats. That would be so much nicer than just having to spend like a billion alterations on them. Yeah, like, alterations It feels so bad when you're just trying to roll the mod and you just have to buy it on the market for like 5x because you're never going to roll it. I mean, I, I generally terrible. think that's like... There's an opportunity cost to it. And the thing is, they don't depreciate in price over time. But it is a huge barrier to entry for anyone that wants to get in a farming strategy. Yeah, And that's that's the one thing I don't like about it, is the barrier to entry. Because, um, for example, like I would never want to farm something if I didn't have watchstones. And every time I want to try a new farming strategy, it's like, oh, well, let's buy the watchstones and let's set up the passives and all that stuff. Yeah, And that's the one thing that I don't like about them is just the fact that like i feel like hamstringed if i don't have all of that stuff we just keep getting more and more stuff that it, it sort of becomes uh i don't know it sort of becomes a little bit it's it's the problem that i have with like mapping in general where it's like oh if i'm running this map and i'm not running for four scarabs then what am i doing i, I need to go okay i need to go straight for the scarabs and then all this stuff but it's sort of like you always feel like you're hamstringing yourself if you don't if you're not trying to like squeeze out the most but I guess that's yeah. just something that we've taught ourselves to do as min-maxers. So in a way, that's kind of our issue, our, our psychological issue that players have to overcome. But I agree. Um, before we get too much into the into the uh, the next topic, which I'm sure we're kind of almost there. Um, what do you guys think about progression next league? Because obviously we're going from 32 washdowns to 16. When we're league starting, all of us next league, it's going to be a very different experience. There's only 100 maps on the Atlas. It's going to be significantly shorter um, to get to like where you want to go, especially if you're already using Leapfrog as your Atlas strat. Like getting to your first Cirrus could be, you know, in the first 24 hours for like anyone who's like going hard, right? That's kind of like where we're going to be at. It's like very quick. But it's not next league, it's league after, right? 
No, three point one six is the Atlas rework. The shrink where they're crushing it down. Sure, it was in three point one seven. No, definitely three point one six, hundred percent. Okay. Oh. I figured they we're would do that with the expansion. No, so in the expansion, well, we'll, we'll cover this topic first. But fair to say, okay. the expansion's throwing everything out. That's what Chris said. But yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Three point one six. Okay. Three point one six is the kind of band aid, which is the reduction in the atlas size, and then three point one seven is the complete overhaul, yeah, which yeah, is the Christmas okay. patch. Yeah, I got to be confused. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, even even more hype then. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but sorry, what was the, what was the question? The question is like, uh, what do you think of progression given like oh, the condensed okay. atlas? Like next next league, like you're gonna be zooming, right? Mm. What do you think? Yeah, of? it's gonna be so much faster, man. Uh, maybe I don't know if like by the time you finish atlas, you usually have like enough currency to like transition into bossing. If they remove a lot of the maps. You might be able to like complete the Atlas really early that you won't have like enough currency to actually transition into bossing or like have an actual Atlas strategy and you probably just have to farm for a while before you get to like the next step where you just farm currency. You mm. might have to like farm a little bit, just just farm random maps. Maybe the meta will change a bit. Unless mm. you have like a really, really strong skill that can boss really early on a budget, you might have like some cases where you can't you just can't there's gonna be like a rough transition maybe from mapping to bossing maybe you don't have enough damage from from my perspective like strictly this is like obviously not everyone's experience but from my experience i generally get to a8 you know like decent amount of completion around like day two day three um mm -hmm. and i'm still bossing at that point because you know you you kind of like had to because like completing out was such a chore getting awakened or eight was yeah, such actually, a yeah true Right. And now with this new Atlas, I feel like it's almost like, you know, it's going to be so quick, so easy, so painless. Like I might almost just want to start a mapper, you know, a mapper like with like some sort of bossing capability, you know, yep. and not be yeah. on the boss hype train. Because if you can get the equivalent of Awakener 8, you know, fairly quickly, you can be farming Guardian maps. You can, you know, it's pretty good. Yeah, I didn't thought about it because... Now we're kind of conditioned into doing bosses because, yeah, the Atlas just takes too long and you have to farm money before you get to a mapper. But how do you get enough currency to actually, like, map efficiently? Like, Well, you can you play, need... like, Toxic Grain and stuff, right? I okay, think that's yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. You're not going to transition in, like, a blaster directly. You, you, you have to play something, like a League Star that kind of maps fast. You're not going to play, like... SST. Yeah, too. you can play something like that, yeah. SST is good as well, if they don't nerf it. Yeah, they definitely could. I mean, yeah, I think you want to play like I would definitely err on the side of a faster mapping character, uh, as opposed to a bosser next league. You know, a mapping character that can do like stuff like Sirius is probably what I would target next league. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Sure. Yep. I just yeah, I think I always thought that even even the current Atlas, I still prefer that because I spend ninety nine percent of my time in maps. Anytime I started a boss killer, I just felt like. Um, you know, my time in maps just felt not great. My time in bosses felt good, but that that represented like less than one percent of the time I spent on league start. So, yeah, I think just I think they're also like talking a little bit about like they, they identified that the game feels quite top heavy. So, like 
that could be interpreted as the Maven passives potentially not being as brutal to acquire. So yeah. that's the central ones, the ones like the um, unlock the extra second slot. So we might see some sort of like movement on that as well. Hopefully, um, we'll see though. I'm really glad that we have the master missions is like white, yellow, and red. But I feel like once you get into red maps, you're very, very much incentivized to like never spend your master missions at the moment because of like the fact that everything is top heavy and the fact that you're like, I'm in reds now. Uh, now I need to get like, there's like a huge gap between like just entering reds and when you have a zone set up with wash zones and all your Atlas passives, if you know what I mean. Where then uh, that's when I you want to start using your master mission again. I feel like the only uh, master mission that you're like uh, conditioned into not using is Alba. You can you can use June early because uh, Mastermind is nice, gives a lot of rewards, and uh, you also drop Veiled items, which you unlock crafts with, which is really important early. And Beasts are always nice. They just add mobs to the map. Like, I, I spam Beasts whenever I have them in my maps. And uh, Zana is way better early than it is later. The only one that you're not incentivized in using, I think, is Alva. The other ones are fine. And Delve, uh, not many people do Delve, so usually you just don't do that because it's underwhelming. Unless you go for Delve, then it's really good. Yeah. But yeah, yeah Alva is definitely the one that you always save for Juice. Do you want to talk a little bit about Delve, actually? Because Delve is doing a rework, um, Tina. So they're basically shortcutting 6k all the way to 1500 that's what they said they're moving the rewards but they're making it way harder so it's going to ramp up in difficulty significantly quicker does that does that kind of interest you at all are you gonna are you gonna check out delve next league either of you actually because you're both delving yeah i mean if it's good then yeah for sure but it has to be good they have to do the scaling right because otherwise mm. it's even if they like squeeze it down that changes nothing in terms of scaling right it always ends yeah. up just being like, oh, just plays the HP. But yeah, yeah if it's, but if it's at, good, it's good. Then I'll run it. At the same time, like, right, the 6K grind is, like, way shorter, right? So you could, like, in theory, like, come up with a really good delve build and, you know, spend a week or two and then you're at maximum depth, you know, without having to burn as many resources to get to the good stuff. Are you at maximum depth, though? Because maximum depth is still going to be 6K. Yeah, but the rewards of 6k are apparently going to be a 1500. Do you? Well, that actually raises an interesting point. So if it still goes to 6k theoretically, and the scaling is like just like 6k is at 1500, does that mean 6k is now four times as good? I don't know. Maybe, but the issue with Delve is it's never really. I mean, it, it depends on the Delver, I suppose. But it's for people that cared about the competition. It's always just been about competing it's not been about uh, like the rewards so essentially it doesn't matter whether they squeeze it down to 1k uh if there isn't like a wall where people just can't get past it then we're just gonna go to 6k anyways and yep. you know so yeah so, so it's I, all I, in I actually, that does introduce the next topic which is pretty interesting is or bots um, I don't really have too much of an opinion on this. I've played with Aurobots in the past. Like it was probably like I think the last time I was seriously played with an Aurobot was Legion, Legion League. So I don't really have too much of an opinion. But you guys have delved like in a duo. I think both of you, you guys played together. Um, yeah. What's your take on the Aurobot nerf? So from what I heard from Chris, that shit's getting deleted. Pretty much, that's what I heard uh, from my perspective. Obviously, that wasn't verbatim, but it sounded like you're not going to be Aurobotting anywhere close to what you're doing now. 
I personally I mean, feel like... I mean, Dalgo uh, robots at the moment are already kind of uh, active. You have to use Frostwall. You have to use... Uh, like, if you're a Necro, you do, like, the corpses, so they shock the enemies around. You still have, like, some active support, I feel like. Uh, it might still be okay. Like, even if they nerf it, there's, there's way, like... Even if they nerf auras, there's other ways. You can, like, shock support. I don't know. You can do other stuff, maybe. You can go with Kingmaker. You can still buff the carry, I feel like. I think it's still mm. scuffed, but it's just about the amount of power it's they It's going to be worse for sure. But they don't this... have to do any of that stuff to be, to be useful, right? Sure. They only do that stuff because otherwise it'd be bored as hell. Yeah. To be completely honest with you. Yeah, no, we're talking about bringing in new mechanical skills, so mechanical support skills, like you recommended in the interview. That's what prompted the question, actually, Tina. So yeah. stuff like, you know, uh, like, you know, I think I've seen a period do reverse, reverse knockback, false cyclone kind of action where they like suck all the mobs up. Yeah. I think that could be reasonably interesting. And More spells like Frostwall. Uh, MP was having so much fun when he was doing that, which is something that struck me yeah. as well. It's like, you like supports want to do that sort of stuff, man. That's what's fun. Uh, you don't necessarily have to just be there to provide a lot of, uh, offensive and offensive boosts. Like, yeah, sure. You have to provide enough to be relatively like for example if you come into a map and it's just like twice as hard to kill mobs for the carry then there's no point in having you right regardless of what mechanics yeah. provide so that's that's going to be a fine line between that where it still has to be worth to bring one but not not like 500 percent more damage I would argue that right now, without like, you know, really, really fine tuning the setup and making it so that you have like really high levels of juice, um, it's actually not worth it to bring a friend or a second character. Like, if you're not like using four scarabs and stuff like that, um, you're pretty much better off both playing solo from my perspective, just because of the way the leave mechanics function with their reward structure. Yep. Um, so this is going to make that even harder. I'm not sure what it's going to happen. Uh, Chris did mention that he wants to make PoE more multiplayer friendly. So maybe there's going to be something there. But right now, I would say next patch is going to feel pretty rough to play with your friend. They did a pretty good job in Ultimatum. But nothing since, really. I mean, this league hasn't really been, uh, you know, that good, so. For group play, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, definitely. Well, one other thing coming to 3.16, which I think we spoke a little bit about on the last podcast, is they are basically saying 100% there's going to be new aspirational content in the game. Pog? Um, so well, I don't know what sure it's going to be. If it's going to be for 3.16 or 7, they didn't really yeah. specify Chris, on that. Chris, when he was talking about um, the 3.16, how it's going to be the biggest patch ever, and he was talking about like timeline and like you know how much they have to do, uh, he mentioned that like he rattled off all the things that are going to be in 3.16. Defensive rework was one, Aurobots was one, and a special content is another so thing the, they did the in Ubers there. So the Ubers were in 3.16? I wouldn't expect all of them in there, or maybe even not any of them, but I would probably say there's going to be something, because yeah. they have identified that, you know, new endgame content is something that keeps players around, and he talked about how the highest retention leagues in the interview um were their best ones so i imagine we're going to probably be getting some sort of new aspirational content um they did already talk about the delirium orb uh drop buff which is going to be you know potentially giving us a little bit more juice um which could be interesting but you know 
we'll have to say, I guess. Yep. Yeah, I think we definitely need aspirational content because uh, at this point of the league, mid-league, I already can't find anything that I really want to do. Uh, like, I tried 100% Dali and it's not worth it. Just It's not... You don't get your money back from the Dali orbs unless you run it in, like, full team or quantity or something crazy. Like, like every Dali orb is, like, 20C, 25 or whatever. And uh, using 5 on 1 map is not going to be cost-effective. It's just going to be better to add one on five maps and run five different maps and you just get the mobs five times. I feel like like we don't have any incentive to push our characters right now. That's intended though. That's like when when Grim asked uh the question to Chris, like was that ever intended for people to be able to repeat five or content like that? Yeah. Um like Chris's answer was straight up Yes, but it was never supposed to be a thing that you had on farm. It was more of a thing that you did if you wanted to go in with a crazy character and see if you could challenge yourself against the hardest content. Okay. So, yeah. Essentially, at the point to where it's at right now, I feel like they're very happy with that. With five orbs. Yeah. But do you think that having other content that is less rewarding is better than having easier content that is more rewarding? Like, you yes. invest more money into it. His philosophy is, his philosophy is usually the uh, the one that the more you invest into a map, the more you get back. Mm. Does it make sense that you waste like 100 C and you get nearly nothing from it? The the, the problem with that, Elishar, is that um, regardless of anything, Chris doesn't control how much money you make in the game, right? Yeah. They true. control what the rewards it's are. The market, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't control how much a delirium orb costs. The reason you're not making your money back is because a, they're more profitable to do on a case-by-case -case yep. basis. So, like, one Makes is better sense. to do than five, which I'm pretty sure that's the case. Like, doing one orb is always generally worth it, but doing five is, like, not as good as just doing five yeah. maps with one. Um, and then groups, you're also competing against groups who are MFing true, true. the Delirium mobs, so that's going to be really tough as well. Yeah, yeah it's an sense. opportunity cost. That's the what the economy is, like, basically, it's run by these opportunity costs, right? You're never going to be able to compete against people that get like 250% more quant out of their five yeah. orb delirium. So they're the ones that dictate the price. So in regards to like whether it's worth it for you to run it or not, it's never going to be worth it. So I think that's sort of what they're trying to do with tackling with supports and stuff and trying to make that less worth. It. But I mean, uh, so back to what I said is like, yes, I think I think you shouldn't exponentially get more out of the more you invest in Path of Exile. I think... Yes, it's good to an extent. It should be pretty linear. But I, I don't think the divide between someone that just wants the map and someone that just wants to go full juice, I don't think it should be as radical as it's been in the past. Yeah, it makes sense. Because uh, why Why do we need, like, five mirrors and dudes, like, struggling to make, like, one X? You know, like, come on. It's, it, mm, it gets a little bit yeah. yeah, But my definitely. point was more like... Uh, for example, you can like spend 20, 30 X and make a build viable to do 20% daily, right? And just do Nemesis 3 or whatever, oh, yeah. which is probably like the hardest content you need to do in maps right now. Like you don't need like, your character to be able to do more than 20% daily, I feel like, if you want to yeah. farm maps. Like after you reach the point, what do you do? Do you just keep farming 20% daily for the whole league? I feel like that's so stale. I, I just don't like that type of content. Just farming the same amount of content, the same, like exactly the same for the whole league. Yeah, they, I, I feel like the only content that scales now is Delve. There's nothing else. It feels kind of limiting. 
that's why we um that's why we brought up the topic we did i think tuna asked the question like would chris ever consider something akin to a mythic plus from wow which is essentially content which is completely well hopefully completely skill-based which rewards a well-rounded character um you know which scales infinitely but you know within reason that's basically what we, we were asking him unfortunately he didn't know what mythic plus was so that question kind of didn't land um you know, but i think that's what though. you're kind of alluding to pardon he's gonna do his research though which is the only which is the main thing that we could get out of that right yeah we got an opportunity to kind of explain a little bit about what we were after and uh we also had quite an extensive chat with bex yeah. Uh, about this topic and you know talking a little bit about it as well so i think that there is hope although i don't think we should expect this uh anytime before 3.17 or even you know maybe even later on. even beyond i think there's already so much they got to do i think we need yeah. to curb our expectations a little bit and what they can accomplish in such a little time frame we're pretty used Agreed. to getting so much content in three month cycles already that like we expect them to like literally fix the game overnight we'll just be disappointed at the end of the day well, that's what they're attempting to do in 3.16. They're like trying to basically take everything and just fix it all in one patch, right? That's pretty insane. Um, I have no idea if they're going to be able to do it. Like, uh, as you heard, Chris is like worried about how much is ending up in 3.16. Yep. Um, I think we were originally meant to get like guild halls and stuff like that. Apparently, that's going. We won't be getting that. We'll be getting uh, more content. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the guild halls. We definitely need more. Yeah, I think content is priority for sure yeah i think um we almost got to the topic but i think it's important to talk about and i'm really interested on hearing your perspective on it elisha because you went in the interview um but essentially trade this is a big topic for us um so chris wilson we talked a lot about crafting a lot about items on the interview uh we asked a lot of questions and tried to dig pretty deep on it um but a lot of the responses were and came back to trade um, so in the argument about determinism versus RNG, Chris Wilson, and by extension, GGG, uh, is fine with randomness due to the existence of trade being the ultimate form of determinism. You can either try and craft an item by chance, or you can just straight up buy it from another player. And he sees that as okay. What are your guys' opinion on that? I think that trade is fine as long as, uh, like, you're playing something meta. If you're playing something really off meta, for example, Tuna was playing SST at the start of the league on an evasion uh, int base, right? Uh, the shield. And he was playing like crit. No one was playing that like really early in the league. So that even like uh, Neversink's filter wasn't even showing the shield that he needed. So like there wasn't any on the market. Like, I don't know. If, if there's nothing on the market for your build, is it really okay? Don't get me wrong, um, though. I love that shit. Like, okay. I, I, I really like having to stuff for my own. So, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think that's good. Uh, like that the your decision can sort of like affect the market in that way, right? Like, if someone finds a good build and it becomes popular, then yeah, economy will adapt. I think it's good. But like, in in regards to like the whole determinism thing, it's like, I do agree with Chris. But I also think that's not exactly fun gameplay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah that is the ultimate form of determinism, and you just buy it. But on the other hand, it's like <laughs> that fun. Uh, I don't know. And and that's in a like 
a big part of why I think SSF is like in regard in in this regard a lot more fun than trade league because you you have to go you go in with a completely different mindset right where you're like yeah I'm gonna be doing this all on my own and I'm gonna have to look out for these things and put this item based on my filter prepare craft ahead before I do all my stuff and I can roll into the build whereas like in trade league it's more about like sort of gratification in that regard. So I don't know. In terms of trade league and resort, uh, resort like always going back to trade for the fine terminism. I don't think that's good gameplay, personally. But um, I do agree that yeah, the ultimate form of determinism. At the end of the day, <laughs> you can't argue with that, right? Like there was so many points Chris was bringing yeah. up that you're just like, oh well, shit, like yeah, you're right, but yeah, it doesn't make me like it more, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. So the follow-up to this discussion in the interview was essentially like, you know, so we understood the point about what he was saying, um, but, you know, we, we pushed it a little bit further. We were asking, okay, so what about for the players who do want to craft their own items? And that actually came back to trade as well. The argument was that, you know, there's not enough accessibility to materials. There's not enough, you know, access to kind of like crafting methods. Um, and that is a byproduct of trade itself due to the fact that more wealthy players, more knowledgeable players can buy up all the materials and craft with those more efficiently, essentially pushing out anyone else who wants to use those materials for themselves. Uh, and the example that was given, and we actually have one of those crafters sitting here with us. Um, the example that was given is imagine a player trying to craft their own quiver. And then on the flip side, imagine a player crafting quivers for money. The player crafting quivers for money has identified that there's three usable quivers that they could craft using materials, and they will sell all three of them with, if they hit them with that material. The player who's trying to craft their quiver on their own is only trying to hit one quiver. So the, the player crafting for profit is three times as efficient with those materials, and that's going to dictate yep. the price and influence how much they cost. So there's never going to be a world in which it's going to be profitable or worthwhile for you as a player to craft what you want unless it doesn't exist, which is basically a massive problem with the game. What What's your opinion on that, Elisha, as, as the culprit? Okay, my opinion would be that if they want to craft a quiver for themselves, they just buy multiple bases, they keep spamming uh, with the essences or whatever they farm, like whatever they're spamming with, uh, with the materials that they buy until they get something sellable and then they sell it, and with the money they make, they buy other materials, and they keep going until they hit the actual item that they need. That's what I was doing. Uh, I was crafting quivers over and over until I, I wanted uh, Gaina's extra one arrow and wed, all three uh, elemental damage with attacks, yeah. all three T1 prefixes, and I kept getting T1 life, T1 arrow, and T1 elemental damage with attacks. So I was selling those for like, I don't know, 40, 50, 60x or whatever they were going for. And uh, I would just keep spamming over and over. I never hit it, but I could have just bought one. So you always but recoup your cost, yeah. You always recoup your cost if you actually craft and you sell sellable stuff. Also, the mar the market price doesn't always go based on the actual value of an item of an item or like how much money you can make from it. Because there's a lot of people that just want the perfect item for their build and they're gonna spend mirrors on it and just completely buy the whole market. Of one item for example your essences when you were trying to craft your bow <laughs> or i did the same for my bow yeah. or like if a, a, a delver just wants to get like the perfect item he's gonna buy like all of the market of one specific thing until he can get the item that he wants because 
there's no availability on on those most of the times and you actually have to make it yourself because it's really like niche or really specific so the market price is not always dictated by how much profit you make from those items it's like it's also like uh, based on um if people need it for their bills and there's none on the market i'll be yeah, honest it becomes... sorry go on no i was gonna say it becomes a big issue go ahead you know? right uh, i think um the way that we're, we're, we're saying this is that this is a game problem, right? The fact that, like, um, there's always going to be, like, economies of scale and people stuff cheaper than you can make it. But uh, I'd like to propose this argument. Is it really a game problem or is it a player problem? Like, is it because, yeah, like, someone can make this cheaper, so I should deprive myself of the fun of crafting because I know that I could just buy it for cheaper? That is that like, is that a game problem or is that a player problem? Well, I think I think it's I think it's well for, for starters. I'm just gonna go ahead and say this is basically a cursed problem. You there's yeah. no way to solve this, and that's what Chris Wilson was explaining to us uh, and made apparent. Um, but at the same time, you have to understand. I would say is that a lot of players are just trying to you know get a leg up, trying to make some currency, and they don't have a, a wealth of uh, of, of money. Um, they might not even have the tools available to them to understand what's good or not. Like, you know, try a crafting without awakened POE trade or a price checking maker. Um, that becomes way more difficult, doesn't it? Um, so I think that there is a lot of, uh, systemic issues just with trade itself, um, overall. So I don't, I don't actually think it's a solvable issue. And, um, one of the things that came up, um, was of course harvest. Uh, as well as, you know, just why not just make some of the materials untradeable or something like that. Uh, and obviously that's pretty undesirable, but that is pretty much the only way you can solve this problem. Remove the ability to trade for the resources and then no longer will they, you know, be like just flogged off for money. I think it's bad. I think it's terrible. I think it's bad too. Yeah. You know, if you remove trade, you remove market, you remove... Uh player power remove player interaction that just in my opinion yeah. that's what kills trade league so there'd be no like if you completely if you remove those things then i'm not gonna play trade league what's the point i'll just go play SSL. yeah yeah i think they but... should keep that stuff tradable one thing i wanted to uh talk about was that basically now uh if you want to craft you don't really have any resources for example let's say you want to do a suffix to prefix on your beastery right and uh, if you're a new player, you have it just say, it just says you want remove a suffix and you add a prefix. That's pretty simple, right? But you don't know that it respects metacraft. You don't know that the item level on the beast matters. You don't know so many things that if they just add a tooltip or like explain it to you, it will be so much easier. At the moment, crafting is so punishing and it's not challenging. It's like if you don't know something, there's no way you're gonna make an item. But you explain it, it to them, right? As a content yeah, creator but, that crafts. Yeah, but usually. I don't, it feels so bad if, um, like, like if you don't have the, um, tools for like actually playing the game, you don't know what, what you're supposed to do. I, I don't, I don't think you should go like on a third party to learn how to play the game. I don't know. I, you should I just learn should. by. I mean, that's a conflict maybe. of opinion, but I, I think the game shouldn't hold your hand. That's what creates like. A big gap between people that are knowledgeable and people that are not right that's the whole point of like 
back in the day when we didn't we didn't have the internet you'd go out and you'd buy the guide to how to complete the game right like if the game tells you how yeah. to play then that is the best way to play and there's no discovery and there's no there's no like mastery so without mastery and without yeah. discovery we're just playing theme park and if we're playing theme park it's not path of excel yeah i'm not saying that they should just give you everything just laid out and you should just know everything but yeah. like the basic mechanics of our beast interacts like for example they change this stuff by league to by league to be league bases a lot of times and like experienced crafters like for example i have a friend that makes a lot of mirror items he has to like go on standard do research for like the first few days and uh, just spend a lot of money on standard to just test like That's how the cool. beast interact that paths because if they do a small change the whole crafting system just completely changes but that's cool though right and a lot of times it's also bugged yeah i mean that's different but i i think that's fucking cool i don't know i think the crafting the crafting system definitely does have a lot of quirks uh i think there's things that are not consistent uh, for example, what is it like the the harvest rerolls don't respect like um, cannot roll caster and attack and stuff like that. Like it's like it, there's not much uniformity, and a lot of the rules are yeah, very specific. The and there's like it's it is quite confusing in a lot of cases. Because it just doesn't make sense in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Even really really experienced players sometimes have no idea how it works because it can change completely from one link to another, and they say nothing. It's so frustrating. You actually have to like waste money to learn how the system works so that you can actually use the system instead if they told you how the system worked before even if it's complex and it's hard and you can like do tricks and stuff if you knew how it worked beforehand you would just do like educated guesses or like or like you would know what you could get from the like what, what the outcome could be i definitely agree that they should be explaining like if they change something in regards to like meta mods or stuff like that they have to mention that in patch notes but if they introduce a new system, like, say, when the Awaken Orb came out, like, the amount of, like, brains clashing together to figure out how something works, I think that's fucking awesome. I think that's really cool. Right? Yeah. I, I think it, I think that, I think it's pretty interesting as well. Um, the only issue I have is when they change things, and then you have to, like, dig through patch notes, and then it turns out it wasn't in the patch notes, and yeah. then it's like, oh, okay. See, that, uh, it can be quite frustrating. For sure, yeah. Like what Elishar is mentioning yeah. that like, oh, one league, one thing works and then you go to do it the next league and it doesn't work. Then it's like, yeah, it's like it like changes why? by league to league and you have no idea why it doesn't work sometimes. Yeah, yeah that, that is so frustrating. And, and then there's the and then there's the scenarios in which they have it in. It's working in a league. There's a bunch of YouTube videos on how it works and then they hot fix it. They don't put in the patch notes and then it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, OK, but some. It's pretty rough, and uh, it definitely does happen quite a few times. Yeah, that is the frustrating part about the crafting system. If they fix that, I think a lot more people will be inclined to actually play and like try to craft their own stuff, even though it's not always cost efficient to do to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the other topics that came up as well was uh, the tradability of Harvest and Ashling. So as we discussed earlier, um, limiting the tradability of crafting was is GGG's only tool against, you know, basically making it so anyone actually uses their stuff themselves instead of selling it, um, which obviously no one likes that you can't trade these things. Um, would you like to see more of this in the future? Should they keep trying to battle against the inevitable tide of trade or do you just think, you know, throw in the towel, just let everyone trade everything? Okay, oh. I feel 
You want to go to now or do I go? Mm, you can go. Okay, so what I feel like is the only thing limiting like people bulk crafting and just making infinite profit is that there's a time sink in like buying crafts right now. You have to go on TFT, talk to people, buy the craft and get a service. And that takes time, right? That's why some really big crafters hire other people to craft for them. And uh, like, for example, I was hired by Jacob like a few weeks ago. And he was like, I pay you, I pay you half an exalt uh, each craft you do. This was in harvest days. And just buy as many crafts as you want. You know how the craft, how the items are done, right? Because I, I already know how the crafts are done. And he would just pay me half an X for like every craft that I was buying. And I could buy like, I don't know, 50, 60 craft an hour if I was going fast. And I was making mad bank. But like, <clears throat> if you actually like have everything tradable, you, you reach a point where people would just craft items so fast that they flood the market with infinite items, I feel like. And they just noble making profit. The double edged yeah. sword. It would, it would just exacerbate the, the whole problem of like, there's going to be like five people crafting the items and everyone just buys them, right? Yeah. And also, it, it makes the problem that it's not worth for a player to actually use the craft themselves even worse because you could just sell it and make the money and buy the item. Like, it, it makes uh, people engaging craft even less, I feel like, if they make everything tradable. In, yeah, in regards I mean, to Ashling, I don't agree with that because. Uh, you could just choose not to run it, right? You like if I want an Ashling, I, I don't run my safe house or I don't run my my Katarina. I know that kind of like hamstrings me from getting rewards from the rest of uh, uh from the rest of the syndicate. So I guess it's not a good solution, but but I also feel like it's it's it sucks because uh if you do run the safe house and you have nothing to use it on, you're forced to sell it and you can't unless you yeah. use like an external program. So uh, as I said, it's like a double-edged sword, right? You can't fucking solve it for anyone. <laughs> it's like either you solve it for, for, uh, make it everything tradable. And then as you, you get into the issue where the 1% becomes even more 1% and people complain about that or you don't do it. And then everyone complains about not being craftable. It's, it's like a lose-lose scenario for GP and, <laughs> Uh, for also the player base, it seems. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be difficult. It, like, I mean, yeah, it, it's just going to be way tougher if they try and make everything tradable. I mean, it, it's, it's. I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want to be GGG. I don't think you can solve it. I, I'm interested to see what they do. And one of the things they are changing is they're making expedition currencies untradable. Yeah. Uh, how did you guys feel when you heard that? Not happy. They're making what untradable? Expedition, expedition currency, so the rerolls as well as the currency. So you basically have to do your own two gen rog and stuff. As a player, I'd like mm. to create value for other people. Like uh, that's why I play trade league once again. I don't like having to feel like I'm sort of forced to engage in a mechanic to get the most out of my gameplay when I don't like the mechanic. And I think you is such a vast game. It's such a game with like so many different things you can specialize in that you don't have to engage with certain things but if you then know you that you're like kind of screwing yourself um by not interacting with the mechanic because you know that if you do tujin you know that you can be making like double what you get like double of what the what the material is worth right so i don't know i i feel like i'll i'm happy that like i can create value as a player that likes to run maps for people that don't like to run maps or like I can create value as a delver for people that like to craft, even though I don't like to craft. Like 
that's that's what like really draws me into trade league as a player. I think it creates an, also a niche where people just buy the materials and just do the gambling, and they can like min max how they do it or how you craft it. While if you have it to farm it yourself, you will like do it way less efficiently because you don't actually focus on the only one content. There's people that only craft with rug all day. There's people that only do two gen all day, and you know like how much uh, every material is worth. You know like how much percent you need to like get the uh, deals faster. So like some deals are not worth taking because it's not worth the currency that you could uh, buy, like buy in the market. So like there's a lot of min maxing that you can't really do. It's like you lose a lot of depth if you make them non-tradable, I feel like. And going back in the topic of before about the Katarina's not tradable, uh, they could make it like sealable, but it's not tradable so that you can save it for later so that you can craft your items whenever you can, you want. But then... It's basically just a hordercraft bench, right? Because you can just use it on someone else's item in your hideout. Yeah, but it fixes uh, the tuna's problem. The problem tuna's had that you can use it on your item whenever you have an item to use it. It feels terrible when you go in Katarina and you're not running it because you don't have an item to put on the bench. Yeah. That will fix that problem. And also, um, yeah, it, it's the same uh, that you can, you can still sell it to people. But you fix uh, some people will use it on their items instead of selling it because they can save it. I agree. I think that would fix it because if you want, if you were to, if you were gonna trade it, you're gonna trade it anyways. Like, I uh, mean, at the same time, I empathize with GGG because they put these mechanics in there to try and like kind of address the problem we were talking about earlier, where you don't, you know, just you feel some some level of oh, I could use this myself because you know it's so hard to trade. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that ship's kind of sailed already. I think one of the issues, back to Katarina a little bit, sorry, um, Ashling, is, um, you know, what they did this league with Ashling, how it annulled a mod and it adds a mod. They did that for, for the very top end of crafters, right? To, to sort of, like, circumvent them creating insane items. But like, as a player that's maybe, like, trying to get something on their item, like, imagine using Ashling without metamodding. Or... Something like that. Like it's this. It's so punishing for uh for for the non, uh degenerate crafter. Be it's yeah. Terrible. Ashling was like one of the ways that you could actually deterministically say, okay, I'm gonna upgrade my item, and it's got a pretty good chance of being a better item. And then they're like, no, remove. Now you yeah, it's basically you've got a very high chance of destroying your item, which without obviously investing in meta mods and stuff like that, it sucks. Now um, it's just about getting the the fifth mod onto a six mod item, right? Like, and it has to be like a percent chance for you, which makes sense on the very high end of crafting. But me, imagine I'm a normal player and I'm like, oh, I love Path of Exile. I just got a safe house. I'm gonna run it. I got these boots, and they don't have movement speed. I throw it on. I lose T1 life, and I'm like, I hate <laughs> this game now, and I uninstall. <laughs> you know. You're like not yeah. only not only you make your item worse you also pay to make it worse and you waste so much time to get the safe hours it's like you yeah. lose your item you but lose time and you lose money it's like a triple yeah also another thing uh, i i thought like chris didn't really understand exactly how crafting works at the moment you try to explain it in the podcast tuna i remember about the boots that you craft the suffix you walk over the suffixes and stuff but i don't think you actually understood how it works he doesn't have to maybe yeah, he doesn't have to because he has a team, but yeah. But he, he understands. Kind of right now. Like, you got to look at Chris is like, 
the umbrella where all the ideas live under. Like he's the sort of person that tells people like, yeah, yeah, this is the big idea. Like, like the light bulb kind of like when a big idea pops up, it's like this is the idea, and everyone has to fall beyond. Like it's sort of like step in line. You know what I mean? To be fair, um, I am going to use all my expedition currency way more often because of the change. Like I'm going to gamble on Tujin when I, mean, I would not have before. Um, and I'm sure all of us are, right? If you get expedition's really good, everyone knows it. So like, of course we're all yep. going to use our currency now. So that's us doing the mechanic more like, yeah, it sucks. I'd rather sell it, but like, I'm going to engage with it now. So they succeeded. Opportunity cost. Once again, if you don't do it, then you just wasted your time doing the expedition. It's either going to be like, you're going to use the expedition currency more often, right? Or you're just not going to do expedition at all. But like when yeah. you, you it, like being forced it. into doing something that you wouldn't otherwise do. No, like you're, gonna, that's... you're kind of getting forced into it, right? You wouldn't do it. Like if you had fun doing something, you just farm that content. Like I feel like they should give us more choices of the content that we want to run instead of limiting them. Yeah, it really yeah. depends. They can't win on this. It's, yeah. yeah, it's impossible to fix it. Um, yeah. It's cursed. It's 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 actually a thing. Cursed, cursed game design issues. It's actually like a a, a GDC. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a tough one. Uh, I guess kind of like fast forwarding a little bit. Um, we were talking about three point one six earlier, and now we were talking about crafting in three point one seven. They've gone ahead and say the conquerors probably aren't gonna be around, and they said, and I quote. We're potentially stripping Endgame back quite far. That's what Chris said to us. Stripping it back quite far. What does that mean? To me, that means Conquerors aren't going to be... There's not going to be influence items. That's how I interpreted that. I don't know if that's true, but that's how I heard it. We don't know. I mean, speculation-wise, we can say that, like... Um, I know I have to go through this gameplay cycle of having to kill Cirrus and whatnot as, like, part of our meta progression. Um, make it, like, an optional thing. Go to farm, I guess. Maybe. I think it goes without saying. Definitely. I would say that the Awakener Rob, as well as the influences, are probably going to be relegated to either non-existence or niche content. So we're going to get something new, which could be a premier crafting system, of course. Um, but another thing I wanted to point out here is Chris actually said um, that if they don't get 3.17 right, the game will probably die. He actually said that. Um, do, do you guys share that opinion? Like he, he, he straight up said that. If they don't nail it, it's probably going to die. That's what he said. Die relatively. People that will never I mean, stop he, playing Path of Exile. Yeah, but I mean, that's what he said. I'm just, I'm just saying what he said. Not, yeah, not it's just else. because I feel like the team has grown so big that they have to meet certain benchmarks and expectations, right? Um, but in regards to like die, maybe that's a little bit extreme, but he also followed that up with a lot of confidence saying, we know we're not up. Yeah, I think that um, they're most likely going to nail it. And one of the things they did talk about uh, was reducing some of the friction in trade, right? Um, and we asked plenty of questions about friction and trade and, you know, loot and all sorts of stuff like that. But the thing that really stuck out to me is that they want to reduce the amount of uh, purchases you need to make for map juice. And they were talking about potentially rolling that juice 
uh, into some form of system which you accumulate without having to trade. What was your guys' uh, reaction to that? I think that's great. That's great. Um, like lowering the trade is always good. I feel like there's so much trading needed right now. And uh, going back to the question before, um, sorry, what was the question before? I, I had a point. I forgot. Like the question. This was one seven might kill the game if it's bad. Oh, okay. I feel like, okay. Yeah. I remember now uh, my point. So I wanted to say that basically uh, they have a, a really fast content cycle every three months, right? Uh, as long as they introduce new content, it's really hard for the game to die. Uh, I feel like because just having new fresh stuff added to the game will bring a lot of people back. Even though if they change a lot of stuff, I think, I don't know, it's really hard for the game to die with the current content cycle that they have right now. If other games go on for like half a year or like even a year without any patch and they still survive and POE has so much content compared to other games, uh, it's, I really think it's not um in danger of dying i wonder why you said that then because like i mean this is obviously the money man right yeah he was talking about how like, how he snaps his fingers and millions of dollars they go away when they're developing path of exile too um so i think there could be a world in which you know if they if they stumble for two or three leagues um you know following 3.17 you know they don't nail it uh, there may be a way, uh, there may be a, a world in which the development costs of PoE2 kind of exceed how much they're earning. I, I don't know if that's true, but I, I imagine he wouldn't have said that for no reason at all. Could be, but all of these things, business world, like, you know, the investors do this at a cost, yeah, I mean, obviously. But yeah, like, do you know what I mean? I feel like he, he is very confident that's the path of Excel and he sees a future for the game. Yeah. And like he wouldn't just let go, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, like, let's say that they do make a lot of the juice baseline, right? And by the way, the follow-up question to this was, what do they think about Lee Mechanic Bloat and do they have any plans for that? And, you know, the response from Chris was they identified that and that they are open to allowing for more agency over what Lee Mechanic you might want to run. That's great. Um, so, you know, if you combine both of those, you know, there may be a world in which, I don't know, if he didn't confirm this, but this is my speculation here. There may be a world in which you can, like, potentially just juice your map with Legion, just because that's the one you want to do. You've got, like, free Legion juice. Um, I think that that specifically would be incredibly empowering for not just the end game players, reducing their trade, but everybody. Yeah. You know, like, you can, like, everyone's going to get in on the, on the fun juice. Uh, there won't be any economic barriers to entry or anything like that. What do you think that's going to do to the game? Do you reckon everyone thinks it's just going to be worthless? No. I think, I think it's just going to make more, more mastery in specific types of content. Like, if you look at... The way I see this is... You know, the way, the way first uh, Armagers were introduced, right? Where you could all can go, and it wasn't the most profitable, but you could just all can go and kill Armagers without any juice, and it would be just fine, right? You'd make, like, a few X an hour. Like, yeah, at the very start, it was, it was absolutely broken dropping like mirror shards and stuff but once that was fixed um you know i, th I think that was a some pretty good content right like which is what i what i perceive this is going to be like alka map and you're pretty much guaranteed a lead mechanic but it's not going to be like the most that you can get out of uh, map yeah i would really like that because yeah, yeah. buying scarab sucks go on ellie uh you were saying that um the price of stuff is going to be worthless if there's a lot of juice in the mess right but we have like an inherent weight to every item that you have to pick it up. You're kind of like, uh, items are 
almost never going to be worthless because they have a news in the economy. Like every every you can make money off of pretty much every item in the game if you use it correctly. Like all the currencies, you can use them in other ways. You, you're not forced into like use them one way. You can use them however you want. You can use them on different items. Also, like the weight of every item that you have to actually pick it up. So people are not gonna undersell something because if it takes like a thousand clicks to, I don't know, to get like, or a hundred clicks to get a, a Tayula stone or like a, a Bridgestone, people are not gonna sell it for super at a super low price because it takes so much time that, and also like iron players are going to remove it from their filter as well. So I think even low tier materials are going to retain some value. They're not going to go to zero and there's not going to be like a crazy inflation unless they drop like full stacks of, uh, splinter shards and stones and stuff like that. I do agree with that. It will never be as bad as fracturing hundred uh, percent Dali maps and dropping full stones from the ground. Like, and like stacks and stacks of splinters of everything. Like there's not going to be that much bloat in the economy. It's like nearly impossible. Nothing was worth anything I, when 100% value was made. I agree. But like, let's say that like, you know, every player can run blight guaranteed on their map, right? Mm -hmm. What That has to have some impact on the price of blighted maps, for example, right? That, that, it's true. It has to. Like they're yes. not going to be at the premium prices they are at now. So I imagine that you're probably going to see a lot less um value like let's say that you like let's say that 10 percent of players in the atlas juice right they use scarabs if you suddenly open up juicing to 90 the other 90 percent you know that's 10 times the amount of items right and they can all pick yeah. exactly what they want to do you know that that's probably gonna have some effect on prices i would say a little bit but also you gotta keep in account that the amount of like if um blighted maps become really cheap more people run blighted maps because they get so much more profit out of how much they cost relatively yep. and the more people run them then the more expensive blighted maps become and go like fluctuate between people like flocking to certain types of content because it's too cheap and then farming the hell out of that content and then you know then it becomes less worth it it's just like the economy always ends up balancing itself out mm -hmm. if that's one thing path of exile has right is like the economy is it's just it's it's like actually perfect player driven yeah. economy at the I think that's true for some things, but we did see the complete collapse of certain items in ritual. Like breach stones, like you know, the, some of them were one chaos, right? So it can yeah. happen where stuff becomes literally worthless. Yeah. But um, breach stones is like that's like dead content, right? Like that's content that's like what do you get out of breach stones? They also buff them now. You drop All the blessing which makes your breach stones go up in tier. So it increases the value inherently because yeah. it gives way more XP. People use them for experience. Like having more stuff, I think is just gonna, in the economy, is just going to make uh, people run more of all, what they want in the long run. And uh, maybe it's gonna make getting like easier, like um, low end gear and stuff easier as well. Yeah. But, I mean, if you wanted to run it, Harvest, you could just run Harvest, right? That would yeah. be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think that that's, as long as there's some sort of like, you know, opportunity cost involved with it, I think it's going to be really good for the game. You'll be able to play how you want to play, um, which is quite exciting. Uh, overall, I think it's going to be a massive change. I'm not sure when we're getting that 3.16 or 3.17 or beyond, uh, but did, Chris did say that it was on the cards. It's something they are doing, um, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. I think overall, 
our discussion, though, I'm really hopeful. Stuff we talked about. Yeah, you know, there's, there's I, a I, lot. Like, the timeline is like so condensed and there's so much stuff coming. So it's like yeah, I, I'm a little bit worried because I mean they're making all these massive changes in 3.16, and then they're gonna just throw it all in the bin for 3.17 because they've gone on record saying that you know it's gonna be a completely new end game. You know, Maven might not be there. You know, all the conquerors and Sirius might not be there. Who knows what's gonna be there? And I, this is one of the things that Chris said. They want to bring back a lot of what has been successful in the past for the Atlas. We don't know what that means, um, but that's what he said. So uh, who knows? Like everything is open to, uh, to interpretation there. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we can know what they're gonna plan. But that's what. But that's what's exciting, right? Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, hard, hard to imagine that um, ritual was pretty much last year, right? We got one league, and then it's gonna be the same time as it was with ritual. So it's like. One, one, one more league away until we're at ritual time. That's crazy. It's actually, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, so the other thing that was talked a little bit about was builds. All right. Uh, so from GGG's perspective, working as intended. Are you guys are you guys happy with that assessment? Like they they seemed reasonably happy with all nerfs, with the exception of flasks and mana. That's the two that they they highlighted. You go. <laughs> I was more just thinking out loud. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, yeah, go on. Uh, my take is that um, the high-end nerfs were justified. I think they shouldn't have nerfed like all of the low-end skills. I think I said it in the last podcast as, podcast as well. Uh, if you nerf like a lot of the damage, they sh of the like skills and builds that weren't used as much they should have like on the support gem they nerfed a lot of the support gems they should have actually buffed the gem itself to bring it in line with the rest of uh, the gems they they went from like the top down right like i, I do understand what you mean but uh it was more like you gotta think of it as like the way he's, he presented it is either we buff monsters or we nerf everything and he didn't want to buff monsters so instead he nerfed everything so yeah. how else would they have done it? I know they could have, yeah, like brought lightning tendrils stronger. But like, you know, I know some things are like just not cool. Like brands just cool. So it's a it's a big balance issue, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the gamers just run away from them, right? Like, I mean, we asked them about melee. Um, that was one of the questions, and we were like, basically, like Chris what's going on man and he's like i'm a melee player i know and he's just like we just can't fix it right now that's what they were like so it's like oh, <laughs> what what are we what are we meant to say to that i mean there are melee skills that work rage vortex is really strong lightning strike is really strong uh but the the components that make them really good yeah, is the is the mechanic that it's kind of range yeah. so actual full melee like strikes are kind of in Bad spot. Like melee strikes are kind of in a bad spot, or like yeah. But it I think, feels I pretty think bad. Um, the whole argument about one thing that Chris did bring up that I really actually agreed with was that like uh, it was sort of like in line with when he was talking about uh, um, aspirational content and what we mean by build viability. Uh, I think this whole build viability argument is. Um, 
not a good one that we should it's not it's not a good argument like yeah some skill gems are not as strong but certain things excel in cer certain things and True. not everything can be viable for everything and that's just how the game has become like imagine like uh if i don't know back in the old atlas guys farming with his wind ripper and like t2 barrel chambers or something and then someone will come in the chat like oh, can i kill serious with this that's like what we have currently <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's like it's people would be like, yeah, but it can't kill Sirius Eight. It's trash, <laughs> and you're like, bro, that's I'm a Windraper pill. What the hell, dude? Like, and that's just something that's changed recently that I've that I've seen. It's just a whole shift of opinion of everything has to be viable for everything, or it's trash. And I think that's really bad. And I think that's a player I, issue more than a game issue. I think it is also the game, though. Like, I mean, yeah, if, the the game is forced have... into that. It's true. If you didn't, yeah, if you didn't, like, like when you're mapping, if you didn't have the option to do the Conquerors, you didn't have the option to do Sirius, and you could sell it, I think there'd be a lot less, but can it kill Sirius 8? Yeah. Because, like, you know, it wouldn't be a thing. You could just sell it to the boss killers, and they'd do it for you, right? Uh, and I think that's where the game really breaks down right now, for me at least. Like, I, I hate that I have to do Sirius. I, I hate agree. it. Yep. I actually agree uh, entirely with that, too. Back in the days, people used to have multiple characters and you just log in the other character and kill the boss. But now, like, people tend to just min max one character so much that you can do all content. So you don't have to relog every time because it's so annoying to do. It doesn't help that Cirrus is one of the most punishing builds for squishy, for, uh, uh, bosses for squishy builds. Yeah. Phase two with the, with the, the beams, it's like, come on, dude. If you get hit once, you're basically dead. And the fact that you can like jump out of your screen makes no sense. Yeah, because like it's you awful. look at any other boss arena in the game, and bosses can never actually jump out of your screen. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd rather do, I'd rather honestly do Maven on my bow character than I'd rather do Sirius. That's just my opinion there. It's uh, it's pretty terrible. I think um, overall it's pretty badly designed when you compare it to. Uber Elder or Maven. Maven's like, yeah, Maven's hard and it's kind of annoying for people that can't memorize, but overall I feel like it's pretty fair, right? Yeah, I think the only unfair ability in Maven is potentially um, the Ice Bolts. You know, you can get off screen by that. Like If she teleports and instantly does it, you can get whacked. But other than that, it's pretty fair. Her voice line is very... The thing is, like, she has, like, a pre-voice line to it. Cascade so, of pain, yeah. Yeah. But then when she says ha, that's when she starts shooting, right? Yeah. So that you kind of have sure. like a little bit of like a, I know it's happening, I should be running sideways. I think. Yeah. It only no, becomes definitely. really an issue when you get into the last phase and lasers are there. But the, the fight shouldn't be easy. Like a end, end game fight. Agreed. Yeah. 100%. One thing that we've uh, I've, we've left it till last this time, but we got to talk about it. I want to talk about it, and that is the the PTR, the public test realm, aka hard mode, aka Wilson mode. Um, I guess first thing is you guys gonna play it now that we know exactly what it is. It's like it's pretty disgustingly like ugh. you know we're talking talk to a vendor to fill up your potions. You know, you get kicked back to the start of the zone instead of respawning at the waypoint for the boss. What do you guys think? I don't have any strong opinions about hard mode because I'm probably not going to play it. 
And if they want to have it in the game, I don't see why not. It's just something extra. Uh, I'm fine with it. As long as they keep upgrading and like uh, updating the game, I'm fine with it. Like it shouldn't take off. I think it should help them develop the game, right? Because they can test stuff there. So I'm fine with it as long as it's helping the game out. Yeah, that's pretty much all it boils down to. I'm not going to play it though. So the way Chris explained it, and I had to watch this multiple times to get this, is that changes which don't involve the source code of the game will potentially be tested in hard mode. So it's essentially a test realm for their ideas. Now, what does that mean? So an, a, a thing like Loot 2.0, a fundamental change to how Loot functions in the game cannot be tested in hard mode. Uh, basically, anything that messes with percentages or variables or anything like that can be, but nothing that's game-breaking. So Flask, for example, the Flask rework couldn't have been tested in hard mode beforehand. Um, so it's kind of a very limited testing bed. Uh, and it's more like kind of like a test of Chris's philosophy and ideas, I think. The thing that scares me about hard mode is that if not many people play that, and also, it's really hard to get resources, right? How are, how are you going to, uh, like, efficiently test something? Like, in, if, if, for example, if you have to do something in the end game, and it's, like, a really, really hard mode that you don't have resources in, and uh, everything's punishing, how are you going to efficiently test for something that people in softcore do, like, a hundred times faster than the harder mode that you're playing? So I think the things that they're going to be testing, uh, which I imagine uh, is what they're most interested in, is what if they removed this skill gem vendor, right? The Lily okay. Wrath. Uh, and then what if they also removed the skill gem vendor of, um, like, you know, Act 1, 2, 3, 4, you know, how you can buy the gems? Um, what would that do to the game? Uh, because that's how Path of Exile used to be before they added all of those in. And yeah, stuff like Chain, the Chain gem was a chase item. People <laughs> actually, like, cared about that gem. Um, and uh, you know, what, what would happen if that was in the game and they'll be able to test that and see, um, you know, what happens if they reduce the amount of items that drop by, you know, 70%, they'll be able to test that. And maybe that some way, shape or form makes it into the game in some way. I, I don't know. Um, I have no idea what's going to go on or what's going through their head in that way, but, um, it's fair to say that it's, it's there to test crazy ideas. And, uh, Chris went on record and said that, uh, it also serves as almost like a kind of like a a, a protection uh, of from nerfs for softcore trade players. Like you're not going to get as many nerfs. Basically, that's what he said. I think he sort of just said that to make us a little bit more uh, relaxed yeah. about the whole situation. But uh, regardless of how we look at it, so long as it's not taking up too many resources, like it doesn't really matter. I don't think it does at all. And at the end of the day, it's like, it's free content, right? Like, even if you play it for like three days, that's three days that you spent playing that instead of, uh, instead of, I don't know, playing League of Legends or whatever you lose to play. Talking to chat, by the way. <laughs> I was talking to Marcelli. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but essentially, I, I just uh, feel like it's fine, right? But the one thing I, I don't like is the further fragmentation of the community. Uh, I like Trade League to be a big, happy place where everyone trades and everyone's doing... Like, it's also why I don't like private leagues, personally, because every time a private league happens, say, like, BPL or Gauntlet, really dies. I can't get the trades I want. There's so much less stuff going on, and it just makes me feel bad as a 
the trade league lover, but that's nothing wrong with the people organizing the leagues or the leagues themselves. It's just that, like, you, if you give the opportunity for people to go do something else, if they think they're going to have more fun doing it, they're going to do it. So, I mean, I just don't personally like fragmenting the community even more, especially since it's a pretty small community overall. Yeah. But, for so, example, the um, uh, the PvP version that they made, what is the name? Royale. The, yeah, P Battle Royale. Yeah, there's a, like a lot of people that play, not a lot, but there's some people that play that. And that's nice. It's just something extra to the game that we wouldn't have otherwise. I feel like adding another mod is fine. The only problem is going to be like the community fragmentation, yeah, as Tuna said. Royale is different though. That has dedicated developers, right? Because like, there's that guy. He got up. He was the designer for Royale. He's on Reddit, right? He's, okay. he's that's obviously his job. So um, that's someone who's not on the game. But I think it's fine. At the same time, you know, brings more attention to the game, more stuff for people to do. Um, it's fair to say there's like a ton more to discuss here. Lots, lots of stuff happened. I'm sure that you know Tuna talks about it on stream. I'm gonna be making quite a few videos. Um, but I think it's fair to say 3.16 is going to be a massive shakeup to basically the entire game. Uh, no matter which mode you play, something's going to change in a major way. Um, so the way you build characters is probably going to be different in some way because of defense. Um, you know, the way you're going to be doing Atlas is going to be different, and the way you're going to be farming in the end game is going to be different, and there's potentially going to be new content as well, all on top of the next league as well, uh, which Chris has gone on and said is going to be it's a good one. That's what he said. <laughs> really, really exciting. <laughs> yeah. Don't they always say that? <laughs> yeah, they yeah. actually always do, Elisha. But, you know, hopefully it's a good one as in like uh, like Delirium or Legion. But, you know, we'll see. No doubt. Really? I'm a friend. Friend from this. What the? Anyway, I, are you guys, you guys, uh, what's your, what's your key? What's the thing you're most excited about in either 3.16 or are you just like super excited for 3.17? Both, right? But actually, more the more I think about it, maybe maybe it's because like I'm a I'm a short term sm smooth brain, but I'm obviously more excited about 3.16 than I am of 3.17 because I want it's like I, I want it, I want the game to be better sooner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I really look forward to seeing the directions they go now that they've sort of been a lot more receptive to feedback and whatnot so yeah i really want more aspirational content and uh, lower trading those are my two things that i'm most yeah. excited about well you're in luck dude oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they definitely hear us loud and clear on that one uh which is very fortunate yeah. uh for me honestly most looking forward to hopefully they live up to this as well uh testing out all the atlas passives and the new combos and you know seeing how they all work and maybe there's some new ones or maybe there's some reworked ones i'm really looking forward yeah, to yeah that that's really exciting months. like how much content we had in, in the atlas rework where it's just like all right now we got to refigure everything out again uh yeah that's an exciting time as a maybe less so as like a normie player but like as a content creator it's so good like uh I don't know. But I, I feel think like maybe a... as a normal player too, you'd be excited to be like, okay, let's test this. Maybe no nobody's figured this out and I'll try it. For me at least, I, I wasn't um someone told me about the Harbinger stuff, and that's kind of like what started a lot of the craze. Like someone was doing that and they told me. So a lot of people do experiment. They uh they just either keep it to themselves yeah. or you know it gets to us later. Cool. But uh, that was back in ritual. But yeah. I think it's gonna be an exciting time for everyone. Can't wait. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we could probably bang on for another hour, but uh, we'll wrap it up there. Plenty of uh, good times to be had coming up. Uh, yep. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed the, the podcast and stuff. Thanks for coming.